name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today, in reading the epistle and the gospel together, it gives us a picture of our salvation. Um, when we read St. Paul's epistle to Timothy, we hear his encouragement to Timothy to be steady, to endure suffering, to do the work of an evangelist, to fulfill his ministry. He says of himself, but it also encourages Timothy in the same epistle to fight the good fight, to finish the race, to keep the faith. And then he proclaims his joy, the anticipation of his joy that laid up for him will be a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will award him on that day. And then he says, not only me, but also you. And then we see in the gospel text the, Lord's, uh, the preparation for the Lord's baptism and in the great effort that St. John made uh, in his life first to, be, uh, to live in the desert. You know, the story of St. John is quite fantastic because he was born miraculously of Elizabeth and uh, a barren lady uh, and was given the name John, should have been Zacharias, for his father was Zacharias, his father was mute for the nine months of the pregnancy because he didn't believe that this could take place. And so when John was born, there was a great controversy that arose around the life of Christ. And uh, he, he went into the desert. They say Elizabeth took him to the desert and died in the desert. And he was raised by the angels. <laughs> Quite a good contrast. He had a great mother, but then he had wonderful uh, step-parents. Maybe Gabriel. Maybe uh, another angel, his guardian angel, been quite a li an upbringing. So when he came out of the desert, everybody knew that he was special. Everybody knew that he was a prophet. And it says, all the people in Judea, that's a county. All the people in Santa Barbara County, all the people. Some, many, no, it says all all went out to be baptized by John. This, this event must have been amazing to me. He goes to the Jordan River and he just stays there for days and days and days and people from all the county of Judea and the surrounding areas are coming to him to be baptized. So he begins to affirm this, this issue of baptism. And then he says... After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now if we put all this together, we see our salvation, uh, how we are to be saved. Now, this is very important. I remember having an argument one time with uh, a young man who, thank God, is now Orthodox <laughs> in the parking lot 
about salvation. He says, do you believe once saved, always saved? I say, well, the church has taught through history that there's three aspects of salvation. One is, I was saved, and I'm being saved, and I will be saved. If any of those are out of balance, you're not, you don't have a balanced Christian life. If you believe somehow that you were saved, and that's it, then I can go live my life any way I want, and God will, I'll be in heaven. Okay? Or, if I have to work for my salvation, I'm not saved, I have to work for it, then I become so work-oriented. Or that mm, I, I will be saved. Then I don't worry about life, and I just know that sometime toward the end, I will repent and, and go to heaven. But all three aspects of salvation are so critical to us that I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. And this epistle and gospel together teach us that very thing. Uh, St. Paul, St. John says, the Lord will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, not just with water, but with the Holy Spirit. So in baptizing, beloved, we are united by the Holy Spirit to Christ. In Galatians it says that we are united, we, we, those who are baptized into Christ put on Christ. And in the epistle to Romans, we hear that the Lord says that in baptism we are united to Christ's death and to his resurrection. What does that exactly mean? Garrett, I want you to stand up here. I want you to see this humanity right here, Garrett's humanity. Are you embarrassed? I hope you are a little bit. <laughs> this humanity is united to the glorified humanity of Jesus Christ. It's a fact. It's a fact. You may not know that, knowing Garrett. <laughs> but, it's a fact. Garrett, are you united to Christ? Yes. It's a fact. Go ahead and sit down. Good boy. It's a fact. Are you united to Christ? It's a fact. That's, that's the past. The fact you are united to the glorified humanity of Jesus Christ you partake of his divine nature. You are filled with his divine energy. That's a fact. That has happened. It, do, it doesn't go away. I remember one of my dearest young uh, students here, was, he said, this is a great line, he said the worst thing, this was when he was traveling out trying to find his way in life and had kind of left the faith to some degree. He said, you know what the worst thing that happened to me was? I said, what? He says, I was baptized. I said, what do you mean? He says, I couldn't get away from it. Every time I turned around, I felt Christ saying no. Every time I wandered out here, I felt Christ bring me back. I couldn't go out there. I kept bringing brought back. And that's what it is. It's the fact that you're united to the glorified humanity of Jesus Christ. That has happened. That doesn't go away. So, have you been saved? Yes. Have you been saved? Yes. Amen. I've been saved. Now, does it end there? No. That's the important thing. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop when we baptize a child. It doesn't stop when we baptize an adult. 
because the Lord says, and you listen to St. Timothy's words, uh, St. Paul's words to Timothy, he says, be steady, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fight the good fight, finish the race, keep the faith. So we are being saved. We work, this, we work out our salvation, as St. Paul says in Philippians, to the Philippian people in a letter to them, encouraging them, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. God will be there with you. You've been given a great gift. Don't squander it. Work it out. Pay attention to it. So we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. St. Gregory the theologian says, let us become like Christ since Christ became like us. He humbled himself to be like us. Let's become like him. Let us become gods because of him since he became man because of us. He took upon himself a low degree that he might give us a higher one. He humbled himself so we might be exalted. He became poor that in his poverty we might become rich. His poverty is our riches. So we are then motivated to work out our salvation because we have such a great God who did so much for us, poured out his life for us, and so we are encouraged then to work out our salvation. So, we need to make this effort. You know, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's a very beautiful thing. The Lord begins to encourage the people to love their neighbor. And then he gives them the higher call. He says, I want you to love your enemy. He says, I know you struggle with the things, doing the wrong thing. I want you to struggle with not thinking the wrong thing. So he, puts, puts, he tells us to make an effort in the Sermon on the Mount. Make an effort. Be a light. Don't put your life of Christ under a bushel. Make it a light so all can see it. So we see this encouragement of the Lord to, to all of us to make an effort to take the gift that he has given to us and allow it to grow. Allow it to blossom. Allow the light to shine. Allow the flower to bloom. Allow the love he's given us to be given to others. To teach us to be generous, to be kind, to be forgiving. To be long-suffering as he is to us. But we cannot do this, beloved. We cannot do this without him. If we make efforts and we think we can make an effort without Christ, we have to understand that we are united to the glorified humanity of Christ. And when we make an effort with him, to be virtuous as he's encouraging us to be, to work out our salvation as he's encouraged us to work it out, when, when he's with us to make the effort, we're successful by his mercy. So what is it, why isn't it then that you're not successful? You have to answer this question or you cannot leave. Then why aren't you successful? Very simple. It's not that you didn't try, because I know you try. 
It's that you weren't with him. You weren't near to him. Because when you're near to him, you're successful. So many times we make an effort and we keep making an effort, making an effort, making an effort, but we don't do it with him. And we fail, we fail, we fail. As soon as we make the effort with him, we find success. We pray, we draw near to God, we beg God, we fast to, to loose the, the control of this life on us. We try to draw near to God, and when we're near to God, then we're successful in this. So my encouragement to you is this. When you find yourself making an effort and failing, what should you do? Draw near to God. Don't, don't keep trying to do what you're doing. Step back. Collect yourself. Draw near to Christ. And then go back and do it. Go back and do it. But you have to draw near to God. You cannot make a Christian effort without Christ. It will not work. It will be the most frustrating life you can live. If you make a Christian effort without Him, the bar is too high. He says, love your enemy. He even says, be perfect. Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the bar he set. So you need to know that you have to be with him to work out your salvation. It must be with Christ. That's why you pray. That's why you come to church. That's why you confess. That's why you fast. It's all to draw near to God. It's all there just to do that one thing so you can live the Christian life. It's that, it's that simple. We can do all this stuff without, without even drawing near to God, but we are to be, make that work, make that effort to be near to Christ so that we can live this Christian life and be a glory to God. So, have you been saved? Hey, this is good. Are you being saved? Will you be saved? God willing. By the grace of God. You got the, got the answer, Deacon John. St. Paul, at the end of his life, beautiful words. He says, and this man suffered immensely from, from the very beginning of his ministry when Christ came and enlightened him on the presence of, of Christ in this world, he, he lived a very difficult life. He says to Timothy at the end of his life, this must have been an incredible letter for Timothy to get, you must think of it. For here is his spiritual father basically telling him, this, these words may be the last thing you, you know of me, for I am soon to die. He says, for I have already at one point, I, I am already on the point of being sacrificed. So he knows. And I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. He will get that award, the crown of righteousness. And then to encourage Timothy and us, 
he says, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. All who love him, he will give the crown of righteousness. So we hear these words of great encouragement that we will be saved, that we will enter the kingdom of heaven. And we know this even in, and I encourage people to read the prayers before communion because they teach us this very thing. One of the prayers, St. Simeon, the new theologian, says, Neither the magnitude of my transgressions nor the multitude of my sins surpasses the great long-suffering of my Lord and God and his exceeding love toward mankind. Nothing, nothing I've done, no sin, no transgression, nothing is greater than God's love for me. And in my repentance, he forgives me. And he brings me to nothing is bigger than his love and his compassion for mankind. And then he says to his disciples, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In my house are what? Many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. So will you be saved? You need to be encouraged about that. You need to be anticipate that. You know what that helps you do? It helps you work out your salvation. It's not there to not help you. It's there to help you. It's not there to just ignore the fact that I don't have to make an effort here. It helps you make the effort. So, will you be saved? Have you been saved? Are you being saved? Will you be saved? By the grace of God. You need to know that because I remember teaching the children, says, what, what is your defense at the judgment seat? You all need to practice this. In fact, it was the last three words of Father Richard. You know what the last three words of Father Richard were? Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy, Lord of mercy. Then he passed. That's your defense. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. That's your defense. But you, you are saved. You are united to the glorified humanity of Christ. You are being saved. You're working out your salvation. And everything you do is to that end, to draw near to God, to help you. And you will be saved because he promised you. I've, I've got a room for you. It's got your little name tag on it. Got one up there. Elizabeth. Diane. Got one. Andrew. Got one. So get ready for it. You know, when you go away and you're going somewhere and you know you're going somewhere really special, you get ready. Well, get ready. Spend this life getting ready for your mansion home. You know, it's next to your friends and your family and the saints. It's, it's going to be beyond anything we can comprehend. We need to be very excited about those last to, to receive that crown of righteousness. We need to be excited about that. And it should stimulate us to, be, to make that effort here. So may God, who saved us through holy baptism and who helps work out that salvation uh, with us in this life, drawing near to us and, and helping us through this life, and who set a mansion for us, give us his grace and mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.